Our scripture reading this morning will be coming from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, giving grief by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. If you are a Christian, you have a living hope that changes everything. If you've been born again, which in biblical terms means that you're somebody who believes that Jesus is in fact God's Son, that He is the one who's anointed to be King overall. That means that you believe so much that you die to who you were before and been buried with Christ in baptism so that when you came out of that water, you from that point forward began to live a new life. If that is descriptive of you, you have an inheritance that no government can tax. You have an inheritance that will never lose value no matter what the economy does. You have an inheritance that time cannot make to decay, you will receive it when Jesus comes again. Because Jesus is alive. He died for our sins, but then on Sunday morning, He rose from the dead. And because of that, God made Him King over all. He is alive and reigning from heaven right now. And He's coming again. He's coming again to right every wrong, to destroy everything associated with sin or death. And this isn't some abstract statement of faith. This is a faith that's real. A faith that protects us until Jesus comes. It calls us to be loyal to Him. Even if it costs us even if it places us at great risk. This is a faith that is so genuine, so valuable, so precious, that it is worth any challenge we might have to face for. Anything that we might need to give up for. Because when this sort of faith is tested, that testing only makes it grow stronger. It only serves to purify it. 
Because you and I, or the Christians that the Apostle Peter was originally writing to back in the 1860s, a whole three decades after Jesus had been resurrected and returned to heaven, none of them or none of us have seen Jesus. Not the way Peter did. We didn't walk to him on the water or see him transfigured on the mountain. He didn't look at us while we denied him or call to us from the shore after he'd been risen. But like Peter, because of witnesses like Peter's, we love Jesus. We love and believe in Jesus. And we can rejoice in Jesus because no matter what is going on in our lives at this present moment, we know He is coming. No matter how hard it is right now, no matter how hard things get for us, one day the whole world will see Jesus. And that faith that we have in Him now will pay off. Our ability to have a living hope like that is what the whole Bible was about. Prophets like Israel's great King David or the prophets Isaiah or Jeremiah, these great figures from ancient Israel's past, they were trying to understand how all of this would work but we don't have to try. We get to know clearly. We get to see how what they predicted and prophesied by God's Holy Spirit came to be through Jesus. We see how things that they wrote 600, 700, 1,000 years beforehand were fulfilled by Jesus. And as important as David or Isaiah or Jeremiah or any of those prophets were in God's story, the reality is because we believe in Jesus, they were there to serve us. Thanks to Christ's sufferings, which they foresaw, and the way that God glorified Him, we get to now be saved beyond anything those guys ever imagined. Do you realize that? Whenever we decide to believe and to be loyal to Jesus, whenever you or I regret our sins and decide to completely change our direction, whenever you or I come out of those waters of baptism, angels in heaven rejoice. That's real. You know that, right? Every time someone comes out of that water, or the water of the ocean, or the water of the river. Angels rejoice. They are so crazy excited to see you or I do that. Because the whole concept is crazy to them. That we can go from being so far from God being so close. So close that God's Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. It's crazy to them that we could go from being rebels, rejecting God, enemies against Him, to being part of His family. That we could go to living lives that are being completely ruined by sin 
to being restored, to being renewed, to having those lives go on their way to being eternal. That's real. And if you are a Christian, that is what happened when Jesus Christ saved you. That's the amazing story that you are now a part of. That's what you have to look forward to. And it's so momentous that it demands and deserves a total shift in how we live each day. Because as Peter continues here in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be Holy, for I am holy. You shall be holy, for I am holy. God said that through Moses, all the way back in Leviticus chapter 11. He said it again here through Peter to these Gentiles that he was writing to. Our living hope in Jesus demands Transformation, it demands that we be holy, but for many of us, that's uncomfortable. Not the part about God being holy. We get that mostly. The idea that God is separated by his purity, his majesty, his glory, the idea that there's nothing else quite like God, that He is so uniquely good, so powerful. He's kind of like the sun in that way. Because don't we all just love a sunny day? Don't we love how blue the sky looks and how green the grass looks when the sun's out there shining? Don't we love feeling the warmth of it? Isn't it true that we couldn't have life without it, that we need the sun heating the world the way that it does for us to be able to live. But what happens if you go out into the sun unprepared? If you're not wearing adequate clothing, don't remember to put on your hats. You haven't put on sunscreen. If you're unprepared, it can burn you. If you were able to get too close to the sun, it would absolutely consume you. You'd die. Which is why I said the idea of God being holy is something we mostly understand because that part can be a little difficult for us. It's hard for us to reconcile the idea of a God who is all good, a God who describes himself as love, with being a God where you drop dead if you approach him in all of your sin and impurity. We read passages like that in Scripture and we think, well, where's the amazing grace in that? Well, it's in the fact that even with all of that sin and impurity, he didn't abandon us. He still called to us. For all the bad choices that we've all made, he still worked with 
us in all of them. He took the time to patiently teach us his laws. We see throughout history how he would sanctify servants and spaces, how he would accept sacrifices for the purpose of still being close to us. All of which ultimately served the purpose of bringing us Jesus. You see, Jesus makes clear for us what all of the law and the rituals and the prophecies of the Bible were pointing to. He lets us know God in a way that we just couldn't understand until we saw him in the flesh, until we saw the image of God in a man like us. When Peter saw Jesus, he saw that our sin and impurity, our sickness and death didn't make him impure. No, his purity made us pure. He could love us and speak to us and dine with us and reach out and touch us. And instead of us making him unholy, he made us holy. And that's the key because sometimes that word holy feels like an impossibly high bar for us. Because what do we all say? Well, you know, we're all sinners. Well, I'm a sinner too. But aren't we? It's true that we all sin. We're lying. If we say otherwise, Scripture tells us that. But to claim sinner as though that was still our primary identity, that would be like if that woman with the issue of blood who reached out to touch the hem of his garment and then was healed continued to live each day like she was sick. Continued, even after she was healed, to waste all of her living on doctors. To say that we're a sinner would be like being that leper that Jesus reached out and touched and cleansed, but still living apart from people. Still shouting, unclean, anytime someone comes near him. To say that we're still sinners would be like being that widow whose son died. Or Jairus and his wife whose 12-year-old little girl died. And even after they were raised, still mourning as though they were dead. It would be like being Lazarus. And even after Jesus said, come out, you're awake and well in the tomb, but you're going to just stay right there. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. You see, we aren't holy because we've never sinned. Those people that encountered Jesus were sick. Those people would get sick again. Some of them had died. And those people would die again. But the important thing was that Jesus had healed them. Us too. If you are a Christian, if you have a living hope, you can't keep living like someone who is still sick. You can't keep living like you're still a leper. You can't live your life as though you are dead in the grave. You know that Jesus the Christ has saved you. That He is the King. And that He is coming. And everything will change. So you can't keep living your life as though it isn't 
live like He is most important. We have to live life as though He is coming so that anything we go through is worth it if it helps us learn to trust Him more. We've got to live with the understanding that anything we sacrifice is worth it because the rewards He brings are going to be great. We don't act like everything is the same because it isn't. Especially knowing the price that we pay. Because in 1 Peter 1 and verse 17, he continues here to tell us, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartial, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Are we going to call on God? Are we going to ask for his help when we're troubled, for his healing when we or those we care about are sick? Are we going to ask for his mercy and salvation as we recognize our sin and long for his forgiveness? Are we going to come up in here and let his name be on our lips as we sing praise? Are we going to take some of that bread? Are we going to partake of that cup remembering that sacrifice that he gave? If so, if we are going to call on God in that way, then we can't be messing around. We need to live every day keenly aware of the price that he paid to allow us that privilege because it is a privilege humanity's sin ruined everything including ourselves but god loves us so much that he gave his son to die in our place that was his plan all along a plan that even his own came dangerously close to wrecking multiple times because we are so unfaithful. But he never gave up on us. And he ultimately did what we couldn't when his son defeated sin by never doing wrong. When he died as the sacrifice for our sins and then when he defeated death by rising. That's why God made him king. That's why he's the one who reigns, why he's the one who's coming back. To finally destroy every enemy, to usher in new heavens and a new earth where things are as God intended them to be forever. And if you believe that, if your faith and hope are in him, you get to start living. Like it is already that way. That's what we do when we worship. Did you realize that? When you drag yourself out of bed on Sunday morning, 
And you come in here with people from all nations and languages from every tribe. And you sing God's praise together. You're living right now like Jesus has already been revealed to the world. You're getting an early glimpse at what it is He intends to accomplish. Whenever you show love to a stranger, whenever you stand united with someone who's different from you, whenever you still feel joy, even though you're in a difficult situation, whenever you feel peace, even when you lose a loved one, because you have confidence that you will see them again. You're getting to experience what God has always wanted for us right now. Now, none of that means you won't still sin. Nor does it mean that if you're a Christian, you'll never get sick, or you'll never get hurt, or you won't suffer, or you won't die. But when you're seeking to be holy as He is holy, knowing that it's the death and resurrection of Jesus that makes that possible, we all get to live with hope. The things that we go through each day aren't all that there is because our story doesn't end here. As Peter concludes this chapter, he says in 1 Peter 1, starting with 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. When Jesus purifies your soul, your whole life changes. You are able to be kind regardless of if someone deserves it. You're able to give grace, to forgive. It just flows out of you and into all of your relationships. Because the ways that we usually handle our problems, the things that we grew up thinking mattered most, so much of it's futile. All it does is produce emptiness. It's stuff that so easily withers, falls, perishes. All it takes is one layoff, one break. One bad medical report. And our whole worlds can start to fall apart. Our bodies can seem so good at some points of our lives, but they really are like grass. It seems like no time at all before that back starts to get stiff. Before you start to slow down. Before everything hurts every day. But obeying God's word, purifying our souls allows us to be born again. We get another shot at life, but this time we get to build our lives on what's truly living, on what's abiding, on what's imperishable. 
That's what God's called us to be holy as He is holy is about. Through Jesus, God makes us different. He sets us apart. He makes us special. He makes it so that everything about our lives can be durable, can be valuable, can be precious. When you know what Jesus has done, when you know what Jesus is coming to do, it changes your outlook. Your life no longer has to be defined by your worst moment. Your life is now defined by Jesus' death and resurrection. Your potential is not limited by what you are able to do. It is unleashed by what He is coming to do. You can forgive because He's going to right the wrongs. You can give your all, even if it is losing your life for Him, because He will reward. And you can take your last breath when that day comes and know that your life mattered because Jesus is going to make it eternal if you purify your soul by your obedience to the truth. If you've been born again. Because yet, we all sin. But you don't have to be a sinner. Your identity doesn't have to be defined by what you've done wrong. By the things that have caused shame and pain in your life. The things that cause separation and death. You can change. You can be holy. You can have hope. You heard that preach this morning. You hear that every sermon that you sit through, every Bible study that you participate in, every daily devotional that you listen to, podcast you tune into, every time you open your Bible, you hear that good news. So yeah, you were sick, but you don't have to keep giving all of your money to the doctors. Yeah, you were dead, but you don't have to stay in the tomb. You can know Jesus. And your life can change. Because one day, He will come and everyone will know Him then. Don't wait for that day and be found standing with His enemies. If you've never been buried with Christ in baptism, do it today. What are you waiting for? If you believe Jesus is God's Son, if you're convicted that His way is the best way to live life, do it now. Put on Christ in baptism. Give your life to Him. Make Him Lord of your life and see how your life begins to change. If you've done that, but sinner has still been your main identity and what you say and what you think and what you do, don't walk out of here and keep it that way. God is so patient. He wants to help so much. Let's help each other. Let's confess to each other. Let's pray with each other. Let's encourage each other so that we can all go out today and be holy as He is holy. Because of what Jesus has done through his death 
and resurrection. Let's be people who live every day like Jesus has already been revealed. Because if we do, then we can look ahead to that day with real hope.